This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning. Welcome to Resource Centre. This is Audrey Raj. Now, just last week, I spoke to our friends from Employment Hero on the state of recruitment in Malaysia. And it was obvious from that conversation that there were so many challenges in Malaysia's employment landscape that needed to be addressed. Now, we have talent, job, expectation issues, hiring costs are off the roof, uh, employee retention is low, and the rising cost of living seems to be having secondary effects on the workforce that we've only just begun to notice. So before we dive head first into 2024, which is less than 60 days away, mind you, I thought we'd take a harder, closer look at some of the possible solutions to the issues that are plaguing the nation's workforce and what we, all stakeholders in the Malaysian employment landscape, can do to strike the right balance between economic growth and the well-being of the workforce. And to do this with me is Joel Pang, General Manager Malaysia of FASCO, also creator of Fast Jobs and Fast Gig. Joel here has long been championing for not only flexible job opportunities and the plight of gig workers, but is also really passionate about fixing the issue of underemployment here in Malaysia. And um, she's a regular on the show as well. So Joel, welcome back. Hi Audrey, thanks so much for inviting me. It's always great to chat with you. So Joel, um, I wanted to bring you on specifically because you had penned a pre-budget 2024 wish list on what the nation's workforce needs you know, to deal with the imminent challenges in the year to come in 2024. Now, it's been a few weeks since the budget reading. Um, let's just start off with your thoughts on the allocation for talent management next year. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. And I think that the, the obvious you know, response would be to say that I wish that there was more allocation for the gig workers, the gig economy, especially those from lower income families. But I think just looking at the thought process behind um, the, the budget 2024 and the allocations, I think that there is a lot to also celebrate about simply because of just how much you know focus and emphasis has been placed on upskilling and training, especially mm-hmm. for the TVET you know, workers. Mm. So um, job seekers who are really in at the heart of the work that we do here at FASCO, um, you know, job seekers and workers who are in the manuals, uh, semi-skilled as well as services industries, um, doing the technical as well as vocational um, jobs. And I think that this is, um, this actually signals a great move forward, um, looking at the talent in Malaysia um, as a whole, because while, you know, there has been a lot of discussion around the, the gig economy growing at an accelerated rate. I mean, just for example, um, right now that uh, the gig economy makes up around 26% of our workforce at approximately 4 million, you know, job seekers and mm-hmm. workers. But I think that it also, it also really um, brings us back to a point where how do we also look at the needs of the gig workers. And I think this is where uh, we are also looking at the, the challenge that we are facing um, in an out-of-the-box out of way. Because like, for example, at FastGig, yes, we are a platform that is looking to connect gig workers to flexible job opportunities. But one of the key things that we are also looking to do to build real economic resilience, not just for gig workers and their families, but also for the communities that they are from, is to really look at how FastGig can serve as a 
pathway for gig workers to transit back into full-time employment mm. and preferably full-time employment in roles with higher economic value as well as um, as well as uh, pay grades, right? And that really has to come with um, thoughtful upskilling as well as training um, based on what the industry needs. And really right now, I think with uh, where the budget is pointing us to where the focus is on, I, I think that it's encouraging to see that a lot of emphasis has been placed and a lot of budget has been allocated to TVET upskilling training as well as industry recognised certifications. Now, you've long emphasised about mm -hmm. the commitment to vocational and um, TVET technical education. Um, why is this? You know, because I've, I've heard you speak about this so many times, Joel. Mm -hmm. you know, but like, why specifically this? Why do you feel like this is a, the right route forward? Mm -hmm. So if you look at the, the workforce here in, in Malaysia, I think that this is a common question that um, I do get asked very often. You know, when we share about how Fast Jobs or Fast Gig is a platform that focuses on the non-executive or the manual services and semi-skilled workforce, I've been often asked, so Joel, like, you know, is Fast Jobs a boutique or a niche job platform? And I'll be like, well, um, do you know that our our non-executive workforce makes up around 72% or three quarters of the workforce. So they are underserved, but they are definitely not falling into the niche segment. And I think that it is something that is um, really worthwhile um, in terms of championing because while these jobs really weave very closely into the fabric of our society. Imagine entering restaurants where there are no wait staff to serve you. Imagine how much time you be will be spent just feeling frustrated and waiting in line. And you know, these are the jobs at the same time that is not given the merit or sometimes the dignity that they de that they deserve. And which is why I think our vision is very closely um, aligned and we are very much committed to uplifting the livelihoods of this um job seekers in this so-called lower wage or sometimes 3D jobs. And I think this is also really where we are looking at it holistically, where we also want to bring back, you know, um, both, of course, a means to economic empowerment, but at the same time as well, dignity and legitimizing the work that they do. And um, definitely, I think this is, uh, this is something that I've always been very um, passionate about. And I think that the more stories we are able to share, the more closely we are able to you know, have conversations with um, all these workers in our midst, the more I believe that you know, employers as well as you know, Malaysians alike will see the, the meaning and as well as the value in engaging with uh, the TVET workers. Hmm. Now, um, I also noticed that just a couple of months ago, there was an article about underemployment uh, where you were featured mm -hmm. and, you know, you are touting um, gig workers as like a bit of a fix for this underemployment issue that we're facing here in the country. Um, and we also know that Malaysia is committed to achieving full employment by yes. 2030. So are there other uh, low-hanging fruits that we can kind of attack first, you know, when it comes to stimulating uh, job creation or to reduce unemployment rates, especially among the youth and uh, vulnerable populations? Mm -hmm. I'll say that that is a really great question because, you know, when we talk about talent shortage, um, I think that there is um, often a single story that's being told where, okay, there is a job mismatch or, you know, Malaysian or local uh, job seekers don't want to take on the jobs that's available, you know, in the, in the jobs marketplace right now. And while that uh, may 
be accurate, I think what we need to be mindful of is to remember all the other stories that um, are also present um, in the current job situation that we're in at the moment. So I think taking the more non-executive or operational jobs that, you know, uh, FASCO specializes or focuses in, a lot of our uh, workers or job seekers are actually unable to return to full-time employment, even mm. if they wanted to, um, simply because uh, most of them, you know, the, the B40 community has actually been disproportionately impacted by the COVID pandemic. And I know that we are done and dusted with the pandemic, but I think that the, the remnants of the outcomes of the pandemic still exist in our society today. And we have had, you know, a lot of um, moms who used to be women who used to be a part of the workforce, um, but are now stay-at-home moms simply because um, they have had to take on the caregiving duties. And I think um, just pointing to the budget again, I think that there is um, it's a good intention and good effort that has been placed in setting a benchmark for participation of women in the workforce at a relatively modest, but still, you know, I believe realistic and achievable 60%. And I think that uh, the, there are definitely incentives in place to look at how uh, providing childcare um, allowance and support might help women to come back to the workforce. So um, at the same time, you know, talking about uh, the gig economy, this is where stay-at-home moms, they still have their free time and we are actually enabling them to tap on our gig opportunities to kind of bring back that semblance of a dual household income that they used to, that they used to be a part of um, through gig work. And also the other thing is that the need for flexibility um, by a lot of our job seekers also exists for students. So um, something, an anecdote that we always share is that FastGate with our gig opportunities, we help students stay in school because a lot of our a lot of our gig workers, actually, in fact, almost um, 50% of them are students right now. And they come not just during their semester breaks, um, summer breaks, but if they are in school three days a week, you can you can almost be sure that they are working the other four days. And this actually helps them to um, to cover their tuition fees and also start contributing to um, their households. And usually, um, a lot of times we have our students becoming school leavers because of the pressures from their families to start working and start supporting the family. So we are actually very, I would say, honored and um, privileged to say that we have been, um, we have played a part in helping students to stay in school, which points back at really just educating our, uh, our workforce and the talents of tomorrow. And of course, lastly, you know, I think that this is also where uh, we might want to really think about um, how we are putting in place some of our recruitment policies. Um, just, you know, Audrey, just a fun question. Um, do you know that in Malaysia, uh, what is our definition of a matured worker? A matured worker? I don't know, someone mm-hmm. above 35? I don't know. Wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually 40, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm almost going to become a matured worker soon. And um, what the, the plight that some of our so-called you know, matured workers uh, face is that when they submit their resumes, um, they, they often don't get called up for interviews. So the lack of access due to you know sometimes age-based um, uh, discrimination sometimes, mm-hmm. barriers, um, actually actually prevents uh, a lot of our job seekers who are willing and able to take on this work full-time to not even gain access 
um, to these employment opportunities. And I'm happy to share as well that, you know, through the Fuscate platform, we have actually been able to give them the opportunity to start uh, working again, earning an income again. And quite a quite a few of them, you know, have also successfully landed full-time jobs, you know, with the employers that they have been gigging at because of their commitment and just their can-do attitude. And, you know, there are so many more stories of, um, of such, you know, uh, that is also going around our community because a lot of these um, more, you know, mature workers have have lost their jobs due to retrenchment, especially during the pandemic, and have been, you know, so energetically trying to re-enter the workforce again. Yeah. Right. All right, Joel, uh, we're going to take a quick break for some messages. But when we come back, we talk about uh, cost of living. We talk about the progressive wage policy, as well as sustainable workplace solutions. All that and more happening on Resource Centre with Joel Pang from FASCO. Uh, stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Better Finance Management, BFM 89.9. You are listening to Resource Centre. This is Audrey Raj. Online with me today, I have Joel Pang, General Manager of FASCO Malaysia. And we are discussing um, what Malaysia needs to be cognizant of when it comes to talent management as we head into 2024. So, Joel, I think tackling the cost of living is has been a persistent issue on the nation, on our workforce, for everyone. And at this time, we've also heard of plans for the progressive wage policy. Uh, I just want to know what your thoughts are on this and how you think they can be supplemented to address um, income disparities and, and also inflation and all of these other issues. Mm-hmm. I think that the higher cost of living has been uh, um, front and centre of everyone's minds, especially for the lower income families. I think that, you know, talking about underemployment, um, a, a big group of gig workers on our platform are actually the underemployed working adults where they actually have a full-time job. But over the weekends or any free time they have, graveyard shifts, they will be taking on gig opportunities just to further supplement their household incomes. Or some of them have three to four different part-time jobs, just really hoping to make ends meet. And, you know, the, the, the anecdote I always share is, you know, no one wants to or likes to moonlight for a reason, for, for no reason, right? No one moonlights for fun, but it's really because of that, that desire and commitment to take care of um, themselves and their families, hoping to provide a better livelihood. And I think that this is also where, uh, of course, I'm talking about gig work, uh, having, using your access, you know, or surplus of time to earn extra income uh, for yourselves and the role of Fastgate being that to just provide the access and the opportunities. But I think looking at the situation holistically as well, um, the the way forward really is in terms of finding meaningful you know, job matches. So building the skill sets and developing the skills that is necessary for um, our gig workers to not just you know, exchange their time for an hourly rate, but really to look at how their work can also be uh, start moving towards um, that of a higher, you know, economic value. So, for example, you know, we are constantly thinking about um, how do we do recognition of their prior learning 
that is in the, in the form of upskilling and training, but also in the form of you know, recognition of their prior experience. Because what we also truly believe is that you know, if um, one of our gig workers uh, were to have completed a thousand hours working in a supermarket or a warehouse, which uh, has happened for many of our gig workers, um, by the way, um, should, should they not then be able to say, hey, because of my experience and, and um, that being recognized, should I then be able to um, command, say, at a higher hourly rate because uh, I come with a proven track record? And I think that this is um, it's really exciting when you start thinking about uh, social mobility in, in, in that way. Um, through the, then you can, we can start you know, thinking out of the box and looking at what are some of um, the budget uh, allocations that are already in place that will really support overall social mobility as well as um, economic uh, resilience you know, for, for our gig workers to support the rising um, cost of, of living. So whether it be um, through upskilling and training so that, you know, we can look at holistically, you know, supporting some of our seasoned or experienced gig workers to have the equivalent of, you know, being promoted, which then ties into a more pro- progressive uh, wage scheme. Um, but we're also looking at how they can return into full-time employment as well, where it comes with um, other more intangible benefits like social security, um, annual leave, medical benefits, um, etc. And thinking about that holistically always um, provides us with more ideas as well as, um, I would say, uh, routes, right, of, um, of really just tackling the issue of cost of living holistically for the lower income um, families as well as individuals. And I will say that, yeah, sorry. And I'll say that lastly, um, one thing that has also been uh, very interesting as well is that when we talk about cost of living, I think that um, sometimes if we we check our own uh, biases, we are constantly thinking about, you know, the cost of living in urban areas. Um, And I think that this is also where we should really stretch and broaden our perspective to think about how the increasing cost of living are also impacting rural, more rural communities or or the communities living in secondary townships outside of your urban traditional urban centres. And I think that this is where... um, a platform like FastGig really has a role to play where, you know, some of our gig workers, um, because throughout expansion with um, some of our key supermarket clients, we have actually been able to extend our footprint into the secondary towns surrounding Klang Valley, Penang, as well as Johor. And what we came to realise is that for some of these gig workers, the opportunities that they find on FastGig, even though they are just gig work, is many a times the only source of income that they are able to gain access to simply because of, you know, the scale of opportunities that is um, available sometimes at the, at the rural um, or secondary townships. And we are also thinking of how, you know, um, potentially when we start building up, you know, the, the experience as well as the track record of um, the, the gig workers as well as the TVET workers in the secondary um, townships, then some of the other grants that are available, like the digitalization grant for micro SMEs, start becoming relevant because um, imagine if you're able to reach out to your mom and pop stores or you know just micro entrepreneurs who are who do not mind you know uh, tapping on uh, a flexible freelance workforce to also just give that uplift or the boost to their own home businesses or you know small businesses. I think that that will build overall you know. Uh, community inclusion as well as um, overall economic resilience for the communities outside of the urban areas as well. Mm. 
Now, Joel, um, in your pre-budget uh, article, you also spoke about employee financial well-being and the need for financial literacy programs for the workforce. Um, you also mentioned access to healthcare, which remains a challenge in some areas. All of this seem like issues that have been put on the back burner for a while now. Now, how do we start moving the needle on things like this? Yep. So I think that the, the first one being, you know, financial um, inclusion, I would say that it is, a, it is a bit of a chicken and egg situation, right? Um, I think we do know that the gig economy is growing at an accelerated rate. And while platforms like, like us, like FastGig, um, we, can, we can really do our best to support uh, the transition of gig workers back into full-time employment. But the fact will remain that um, the gig economy is still going to continue to grow at an accelerated rate. And I think that it is really um, then important for uh, for platforms like us or even, you know, just the, the private public as well as the people sector to collaborate uh, uh, more um, with with each other. So, for example, you know, uh, one of our strategic you know, partners who, ha- who share that same vision um, and goal for financial inclusion, especially for um, the low-wage gig workers, is actually Bank Islam. So one of um, yeah, our partner Bank Islam has actually been working hand-in-hand with us to look at how we can start thinking about building um, a credit profile or credit scoring even for you know, gig workers as they start to contribute their gig income into a single account um, on, on a consistent basis and showcasing that you know, discipline as well as financial muscle um, to start earning as well as to start you know, building a credit score for themselves. And I think that this is really progressive and groundbreaking because you know, um, when, we are not, when we are talking about you know, financial services or even micro loans for, for gig workers um, from lower income families, um, we are really thinking about uh, a loan size that, um, that, will afford, that will enable them to afford a motorbike, for example, which then becomes their main mode of mobility. And just imagine the, the level of economic opportunities that yeah. they will then be able to start, um, start you know, getting, getting access to. And I think that this is, uh, it is really start, it's really important to start thinking about what is our part to play and how we can enable more financial inclusion to happen um, rather than you know, saying that, oh yeah, you know, uh, we, as a general rule of thumb, we should not um, borrow from unlicensed moneylenders. Um, we all know that. But um, what are the other avenues then that we can create and make available to to these communities that um, usually don't get included in in when when uh, institutions start thinking about financial services? So um, we can share as well, right? That a lot of times I think a um, uh, uh, misunderstanding is that yeah, you know, um, gig workers they 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 need money or you know they are constantly in, in debt, which is why they need to borrow. But many a times, you know, given uh, given that. The cost of living is so high. Many of our gig workers uh, do live from paycheck to paycheck. And all it takes is for one emergency to happen, sometimes a family emergency, to to sink them into a situation or just one bad financial decision to sink them into um, deeper into the the poverty cycle. And I think that it is uh, really important then to to stay connected, to understand the different scenarios in which, you know, financial emergencies might happen and to think meaningfully of, you know, the relevant solutions to help them um, be a part of uh, the financial services, whether um, whether it is, you know, in a step-by-step or in a micro kind of manner, but it's always good to start somewhere. 
And secondly, of course, you know, when you talk about um, social security, social protection and healthcare. So um, one key thing that has really um, stood out is that uh, a lot of times, you know, um, uh, people, myself sometimes, you know, at the start of my career, I, I do think, you know, I, I don't need to get a personal insurance because my company's covering yes. medical as well as, you know, insurance, right? But many of these gig workers, they, they do not fall under the, the Employment Act 1955. And what that also means is that they are currently not um, covered by social protection. And sometimes it may be a case of like, self-opting to not be protected, thinking that, you know, ah, bad things won't happen to me. But sometimes it's also a case of, oh, I did not know that, mm. right? And I think just um, even looking at the stats, um, deep diving a little bit into the SKSPS, which is the you know, self, uh, self-employed um, contribution scheme that, yeah. um, that, that Pocasso has, uh, most, of the, most of the gig workers that have been registered for that scheme is currently the P-hailing as well as the E-hailing um, gig workers. So people who ferry you from place to place or, or, or the folks who deliver your parcels and food. Yeah. So what this also signals to us at FastGig is that um, our category of gig workers uh, who are working in normally your part-time jobs, your flexible jobs, contractors, um, they are actually not covered at all Mm. by social security. And I think um, just one of um, the very first steps that we have taken um, at FastGig is to provide them with um, workplace insurance that covers them for any emergencies or accidents that happens in the workplace or medical costs um, due to, you know, for for uh, conditions that is due to um, the, the work that they have just done with us. So we covered it at our own cost, um, really as a commitment to our, our care for their well-being, I would say. But a lot more can actually be done, you know, so we are really looking at how um, platform, you know, gig platform players like like FastGig, what is our role and our responsibility to play in terms of providing um, accurate as well as meaningful data to, you know, I, I understand that Malaysia is also looking to start its own centralized database, right, to really identify where help and aid is needed and where protection is really needed. And I mean, some of the ideas we can think of is, could there be an auto-enrollment, for example, for the, uh, to the SKSPS scheme or the SKSSR scheme, you know, so that gig workers uh, from maybe in communities where access to information or digitalization um, and infrastructure is not very high at the moment could automatically be um, covered by mm. our nation's social security and protection. And I think that that will really just um, create a lot, a lot more equity and protection, and that would also then naturally support the financial inclusion and social mobility issues that we just talked about. Right. So let's fortify worker protection, uh, promote progressive wages, try and really look at how we can create better financial awareness and well-being. And of course, upskill, reskill to vet. Let's focus on that as well. Is there anything else, Joelle, that you'd like to leave us with before we end the show today? Are you optimistic? I am actually optimistic, maybe because um, I know that you know um, a lot of uh, players in the in the private sector are also rising up to play their part, um, and that actually instills hope because I I don't think that it is actually just a the sole responsibility of the government. We need we need a good good governance. Uh, we need strong systems, and we need 
great people, right? And I and I feel hopeful for for Malaysia because um, I think you know we have, we know we have always had great people, and I really do see. Uh, I think the the future is um, up for us to shape at this point in time. Yeah. All right. Joel, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. For more information on Fastco, um, is there a website that we can go to? Yeah, definitely. Do check out fastjobs.my and also fastgig.my. And you know, if you have um, great employment opportunities, do drop us a line, and um, we'll definitely be keen to connect you with our wonderful community of uh, job seekers, both full time and flexible. Thank you. And if you missed out on any part of this show, you can go look for the podcast on our website. That's bfm.my. You can also find all our podcasts on the BFM app that's available on the Apple App Store and on Google Play. I've been speaking with Joelle Pang, General Manager of Pasco Malaysia. My name is Audrey Raj and this has been Resource Centre on Enterprise, BFM 89.9. listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.